0: You're listening to Simulcast, a podcast about healthcare simulation.
1: Hello, my name is Charlotte Alexander and welcome to a Simulcast series, Simulation 101, bringing you the basics of simulation. Today, I'll be talking about the all-important pre-brief. To help me with that, I'm joined with Dr. Work Isaacson, an emergency physician and education fellow from the Gold Coast. I've been a participant in many of Dr Isaacson's sims, so I can certainly attest to their quality. Thanks for joining me,
0: work. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Charlotte.
1: So today's podcast is supposed to be a resource for those starting out in simulation. It's by no means meant to act as a recipe or an exact uh, science, but I'm hoping that it will act as a launching point to get people who are starting out in simulation to think about the pre-brief.
0: Yeah, Charlotte, I think that's a really good way to look at it, because there's a lot of literature out there, and there's a lot of helpful stuff, and all this is meant to be is something for our listeners, which may potentially give them some tips and tricks which they can incorporate into their practice, which is going to help them along.
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be really helpful. So, to start out, i wanted to ask you, what are your aims in the pre-brief? Why do you do it?
0: So, Charlotte, I suppose with the pre-brief, I think that the pre-brief is absolutely essential for... Creating your rapport with the uh, other learners, and then using that rapport then to expand and generate as much learning potential from the simulation as you possibly can. Uh, So yeah, it's it's all based on that initial relationship management that you have with everyone, and making people feel safe. And when people feel safe, then they're able to actually sort of explore their interpersonal risk taking. yeah, approach their boundaries, challenge themselves, and then get the most out of the experience.
1: So the pre brief will create a safe, optimal learning environment for your learner. I'm wondering, do you have a format that you fall back on when you're doing your pre brief
0: I do, Charlotte, and I think that format's really helpful because by having a scaffold of what you're going to do, it allows you to sort of write out a little bit of a script beforehand, and in doing that, it provides this cognitive scaffold that prevents all of these micro decisions that you need to make. And it then frees up your sort of cognitive load so that you can be more engaged with the learners and you have more emotional capital to actually yeah listen to what they're saying, listen to understand rather than just listen to respond.
1: So do you mind going through that scaffold for us?
0: Yeah, sure. So in the show notes, there'll be a link to an infographic that was produced by Belinda Lowe and Vic Brazel from Simulcast, Mm -hmm. which shows a six-step process in the pre-brief. And that's, I've found, to be really effective. So those six steps are firstly around the room discussion, secondly, the objective and roles of the simulation. Thirdly, the environment. So, orientating the learner to the sim environment. Fourthly, is the confidentiality of the sim. So, what goes on in sim stays in sim. Um, and then there's the fiction contract, which is the fifth element. And then finally, talking about elements of sim safety. Mm-hmm. And I think it might be worthwhile just speaking to each of those individually, and then we'll summarise at the end. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So
1: you start out with <coughs> around the room. Tell me, what's the purpose of that, and what does that look like?
0: Yeah, so I find that the round the room is the the most important part of your pre-brief. So what that allows you to do is get all the learners seated and feeling comfortable. And then I will often start by asking them a question with the content related directly to the sim that you're doing. So for example, if you're doing an airway sim. My introductory question might be, can you share an experience that you've had with an airway recently um, or any sort of standout experiences with an airway? And maybe just a quick comment on something that went well or something that you could feel could have been improved. And that then gets the learners to retrieve their airway experience. It gets them then to be thinking about airway management cases to provide a context for the simulation that they're doing and can also bring up some fantastic points for discussion afterwards. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Another thing that I've noticed Vic Frazzle does very well with around the room is that when people do actually then state their experiences with the airway, Mm -hmm. Vic will show active listening and then paraphrase back to the learner what they've just said,
2: mm-hmm. and that
0: makes the learner feel very valued, mm-hmm. and also gets them to the stage where they're starting to feel comfortable talking in the group, and then are much more likely to engage with the sim going forward.
1: Mm-hmm. Showing that you're actually interested in what they have to say. And That's what right. What they get from the sim. Yeah. You just um, showed
0: a great example of that, then, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks,
1: <for it>. yeah. <laughs> So next
0: up was the objectives and roles. Was that right? That's right. Yeah. So the objectives and roles is just being open and sharing exactly what you're here to do. So I like to just say that we're all here as medical professionals. Um, We're all caring individuals that just want to do the right thing by our patients and simulation just represents an opportunity for us to explore how we work together as a team to look for any potential performance gaps which we can fill Mm -hmm. to better care for our patients. And I think phrasing it as in we're looking at ways we operate as a team as opposed to focusing on individual performance can be really effective at relieving some of that evaluative stress Mm. that a lot of people feel when they start simulations.
1: Yeah, I think people certainly can be stressed that they're going to be judged when they come into a simulation. Taking some of that away I think is really powerful.
0: Yeah, so the simulation environment is just orientated um, the learners to where they're actually going to be conducting the sim. So on the Gold Coast, we're lucky that we have a sim lab, but we also attempt to do it in situ in our normal resuscitation areas as well. So the key things with that is just, this is our room, this is the setup. These are the medications that you can use. They may potentially be real medications or they may be simulation-based medications orientating uh, the learners to whether or not you're using a simulated patient or a mannequin mm-hmm. and then the capabilities of those mannequins and simulated patients as well and where they look to look for their observations, what monitoring they can attach, what investigations they can request um, and sort of yeah what level of sort of fidelity the mannequin may have in terms of whether you can intubate them so all mm-hmm. of those things uh, create yeah are the orientation to the environment. Mm.
1: Yeah, great. Taking some of the mystery out of what's coming next. That's right. And when you talk about confidentiality, what are you talking about there?
0: So, as part of relieving that evaluative stress that participants have, you want to make sure that people realise that this isn't a form of assessment for them um, and that there's no repercussions for them in the SIM. So, what goes on in SIM stays in SIM mm-hmm. uh, and that. If there's any, going to be any videoing of the sim that's something that's streamed and not recorded mm-hmm. um, and that that allows them hopefully then to feel much more safe to sort of really engage and not feel like anything that they do or say is going to be held against them.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, then The fiction contract sounds like a, a bit of a buzzword tell me what, what you mean by that.
0: I suppose with the fiction contract you just want to be sort of open in saying that simulation is never going to completely re- recreate the real life experience of dealing with a patient, but we can get close yeah. and that if the learners engage with the SIM process and realise that there is going to be an element of fiction, it means that they can drive most of the learning experiences out of that opportunity.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So sometimes you have people, and I had a recent experience with a nurse saying, oh, SIM's not real, this is what, isn't what it's like in real life. And that potentially could have derailed the simulation. So I sort of explored that with her and said, you know, I do realise that this isn't real, but there are many things that can sort of be recreated. And then other sim participants actually chimed in and said, you know, I do understand that, like, uh, yeah, there are things that we have to sort of meet you halfway with Mm -hmm. but overall we can see that from the communication the processes um the management aspects the simulation was really valuable Mm -hmm. and I think that's a a good example of where the the other people in that sim have really engaged with that fiction contract Mm -hmm. and then they were actually able to sway the opinion of that other staff member that was initially quite anti the sim Mm
1: -hmm. yeah getting some buy-in about making it as real as you can that's right Mm -hmm. Uh, and then simulation safety is probably a whole another podcast worth of topic, but just briefly, what are some things that you cover when you're talking about safety within the sim?
0: So it's basically the, the, the key things are that you're not going to actually be taking... Uh, your doctors and your nurses away from the floor Mm -hmm. and that you're going to still manage your core responsibility of managing patients on the floor. Mm -hmm. You've got to make sure that in the sim environment, if you're going to be using real drugs, there's no mixing up of those drugs so that simulated drugs can potentially then get used in real patients. You've got to make sure that you maintain the safety of your simulated patients and also your sim participants. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you don't want to be doing CPR on a simulated patient (laughs) you also don't want to defib one of your sim participants Uh, so so going through those things is important
1: yeah great okay now I wanted to just go back to that initial question where you talked about one of the aims of the pre-brief being to create a safe space and I'm curious as to what you use within your pre-brief to create that psychological safety
0: so I suppose with the pre-brief one thing that I think is really important is that you need to imagine that the pre-brief starts as soon as the first person walks into the room. Mm. So one of the key things in building rapport, and there's an excellent podcast between Vic Brazel and Jenny Rudolph in Simulcast, Mm. Mm. is that your learners are very intuitive and perceptive. Mm. And as soon as they walk in, they're gonna see the facial expressions, the tone of voice, the way that you're interacting with other people. And that's gonna set the tone for the sim. So I know when I first started out, I'd be thinking of the technical aspects of the sim, of what I was going to use for my debriefing points, and then worrying about making sure I had all the uh, the audio-visual set up correctly. And I'd be so focused on that, I wouldn't really acknowledge people as coming to the room. I'd be quite abrupt, uh, and I'd be quite focused on just getting all of my things organized on my list. And as a result, I didn't have the emotional capital to engage with people when they first came in.
2: Mm.
0: So one thing I've found has been really helpful is just changing my mindset so that I try and have all of that set up five minutes beforehand so that I'm ready as soon as people walk into the room to greet them with a smile, show them where they're sitting. And then when you start with around the room, really being able to listen to what the learners are saying and listening to understand rather than just listening to respond. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, you can really establish great rapport very early on. And once you've generated that rapport, it makes everything else so much easier.
1: So you offload some of those technical aspects so that you can concentrate on actually connecting with people and making them feel
0: safe. Yeah, definitely. So sort of just using that scaffold of those six things and having it pre-prepared. And I often will write out a script beforehand in terms of what I'd like to do for each one. Mm. So that then when you're actually in that process, it means that you can go through it a lot more easily and you're not having to think about the process as much. And you can actually use that, yeah that cognitive load to engage with your learners
2: Mm -hmm.
1: well thanks very much for that work i think it's going to be really helpful for those listening before i let you back out into your day i'm wondering if there were any resources that you could direct our listeners to that you found helpful when you were learning about pre brief
0: yeah so there's a lot of resources i think that the best thing is to just keep it simple and try and formulate a plan that works best for yourself Mm So for me, I found Establishing a Safe Container for Learning in Simulation by Jenny Rudolph, um, and that was a great article, and we'll include the link to that in the show notes. Mm -hmm. That podcast uh, between uh, Vic Brazel and Jenny Rudolph on rapport management is excellent, particularly towards the end of that podcast where you can have a couple of master debriefers then talking about how they'll debrief the debrief for their novice debriefers Mm. is a really interesting insight (laughs) and that's worth listening to a few times and then just using that infographic that Vic Razzle and Belinda Lowe um, on the six steps of the pre-brief is great and if you print that out and then use that to jot down some notes for your own pre-briefing I think you're off to a really good start.
1: Yeah wonderful, well thank you again it's been a pleasure speaking with you Dr Alexson and I look forward to our next
0: simulation. Thank you Charlotte, cheers. We'd love to hear from you. Contact or comment at simulationpodcast.com.